0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. This series is very dear to me and we're really excited about it. And lesson one was last week and I wanted to do a lesson on kind of like apologetics. How can an old book have impact in our life? How can an old book relate to us in our new culture? And I asked our student pastor, Ryan Catherst, to teach it, and uh, because I know I know he specializes in that, and he's so good in that area, and he understands culture. And guys, he knocked it out of the park. If you weren't able to, to hear it, let's give it up for Ryan, man. He really did. You know, Ryan went to college on a baseball scholarship, and he knows how to knock things out of the park. But he he did it with this lesson. So, guys, guys, here's here's our our theme right here: Hebrews four twelve. The for the word of God is alive and powerful. It's the only book on planet Earth that can literally has life or power in it. It, It's literally powerful. The Greek word for power is dunamis. We derive our English word dynamite from it. So it's explosive power. Listen to this. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, So a sword is a natural example of something that can go deep and penetrate, not not in a nice way. And then it goes on and says, cutting between soul and spirit, that's your deepest inner part. And and it can go deep inside of us, between joint and marrow, another natural example. But listen to this. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Bible is the only book that can read us while we're reading it. And I I am so excited about uh, some of these up-and-coming lessons. They're they're going to be incredible and life-changing. This one will be incredible and life-changing. I received so many texts last night of people that watched last night, and it had great impact in their lives, and I know it's going to do that today. So I want to open up with a question. Did any of us have a choice in what family we were born into? Anybody have a choice? We did not. It's kind of like the lottery, right? It just happens, right? So thankfully, I had parents that had good morals and good values, and, and then I was born into a family that, that's Italian, which means uh, pasta on Sunday, leftover pasta on Monday, pasta on Thursday, pizza in your lunch instead of peanut butter and jelly, right? So that, that was my culture. I didn't ask for any of it, you know, and, and it's just what we're born into, right? And I want to ask you another question did any of us have a choice what church we grew up in or didn't grow up in? Or for many of us like me, we accepted Jesus and we picked the church, right? And 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 what we learned in that church, what we first learned of the Bible, that's what that church taught. And what if it wasn't 100% accurate, right? It's just what we grew up in. So the first church that I grew up in Uh, First church I went to, Pastor Barney Leone, Warren Christian Assembly over on the west side of town. And that was my first church. And he taught this. Uh, doctrine called the pre-tribulation rapture. And and just for terminology, tribulation is referring to that seven-year period in the book of Revelations where the Antichrist is revealed in the 666 and don't take the mark on your head or on your hand or you can't buy and sell. And then, oh, God judges the earth and pours out all this judgment. So uh, rapture is referring to when we're caught up in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and it's referring to 1 Thessalonians 4, we go to meet the Lord in the air. So pre-tribulation means we're gonna go up before that seven-year period begins. I kinda like that, I was like, yeah, right? And and us going up is gonna start it all. And And I learned that from my first pastor, and then I began to run into people that would say, that's not right. And then they'd pick a scripture out and they'd show me a scripture and they'd say, see, it's gonna happen in the middle. They're called mid-tribs. And, and so it's gonna happen in the middle. And and I'd look at the scripture and say, you know what? That makes sense. And and I'd be confused like, well, what Pastor Barney taught made sense. This makes sense. And then I ran into people that taught post-trip. That means we won't meet Jesus until the end of the tribulation, which means we're going through it, baby. I didn't like that one at all. And and uh, so it's like, oh, no. And and they had some scriptures that made sense. And it was early in my Christian walk that I began to realize, guys, that uh, there's a lot of takes on the Bible, right? There's a lot of ways to interpret this thing. It's so powerful, but it can be interpreted the wrong way. And I know some of you are wondering, where did you land after 40? five years almost. I'm still a pre-tribber, man, so I just want you to know that. <laughs> still a pre-tribber. Uh, through study, though, through study now, and and, and and I could see all the scriptures the other people were using that I, I'm convinced they were pulling out of, out of context, but you know what? That's so minor. It doesn't matter what you believe because Jesus is coming when he comes, right? So that's, that's not going to impact anything, and the Bible teaches us that we should be ready like he's coming tonight, or we could we could die and die go meet Jesus tonight. So we should live our life like we're going to meet him at any moment. So that's just a minor thing. But here's what I titled this lesson. We titled it Origami. And I want you to take a look at these pictures. These these origamis are so cool. And here's what I want you to understand about them. They're all folded from the same amount of paper. But notice how they came up with four different creatures, right? And that's what people do with the Bible. And that's why I titled this origami. Uh, People can fold it into a lot of different things. And we've gotta be careful we keep it straight and we keep it smooth, right? Here's another thing that happens. Here's another thing that happens. Take a look at this picture. Um, It's so easy to take... Uh, a, a part of the Bible and then just blank out the rest, right? We don't literally color the Bible and, and black it out like that, but it's so easy to do and, and, and we forget the verses above and the verses below. So I wanna just help you, you don't have to go to Bible school to, to do what I'm about to teach, but I'm gonna help you figure out how to interpret the scriptures when you're reading them, when you're in church, and how to know, is it pre-, mid-, or post, right? How can you figure that type of thing out? So I always have a big idea, again, if you're in Facebook, man, or, or uh, YouTube, wherever you're watching, and Boardman here, guys, here's my big idea. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever, and it goes like this. If we're not careful, the Bible that was meant to grow us can actually harm us, and that that's awful when you see that. And so it can go to extremes. Like I remember just before I accepted Jesus, Jim Jones happened. And many of us remember Jim Jones. You know, he was a preacher like me in Los Angeles, and he had a normal church. And then he he just got way off. He ended up bringing his people in, and they made a commune. And then they went out of the nation, and they died drinking poison Kool-Aid. And he did it all with scriptures, guys. He did it all with scriptures. Or take somebody that's just some of the most awesome people on the planet, Amish people. They're so amazing. And they're so, I just love the Amish people. We have tons of Amish people here in the Warren campus and, and, and the Boardman campus. But do you know just one scripture causes them not to drive cars or have electricity in their home. And here's the scripture. It says to come out of the world and be separate. And they, they've literally determined that the world is all the modern enjoyments that we have, like vehicles or electricity. And they're very literal. And I understand them because I'm very literal, right? But I, they're they're in a horse and buggy and not in a car because of one origami one scripture. Good people, they love God, but just one scripture. Or think about this, and many of you have run into folks like this, it would be like holiness uh, Christians, and so the women aren't allowed to wear jeans or pants, and they're not allowed to put makeup on. Did you ever notice the guys can do whatever they want? Those guys that create the rules, man, they make it tough on women. So, so, uh, you know, that's all from one scripture in the Old Testament that that a man should not wear women's clothes and a woman should not wear a man's clothes. But did you ever stop to think about it? What kind of clothes? Did they have jeans in the Bible days when that was written? Did they wear pants? No, but they just take one scripture and put everybody into bondage. So listen, guys, if we're not careful, the Bible that was meant to grow us can actually harm us. So I wanna show you a scripture and I want you to understand the heart of a pastor. This is written to pastors, and then I wanna show one that's written to you. It's 2 Timothy 2.15, and it reads like this. Study and be eager uh, and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested and tried, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing, and accurately dividing, rightly handling, and skillfully teaching the word of truth or the Bible. That's the one that's powerful and alive. And some of the normal translations, this is the Amplified, uh, they'll say rightly dividing the word of truth or the Bible. So if it can be rightly divided, it can be wrongly divided. And so I... I made a decision years ago and I know I don't know everything, but I I pray this way to God. This is what I call a dangerous prayer. And I wanna encourage everybody to pray it. A dangerous prayer is a prayer where you say, God, I'm willing to allow you to change my point of view. That's a dangerous prayer, because some of our points of view are just—you know—we grew up with a certain reference point, and what if what if we learned the wrong thing in the church we went to, or what if you know we learned the wrong thing from our parents? And so I always go into studying Scripture, and I say, Lord, whatever I know, whatever I believe, I'm going to be faithful to it. But if I'm wrong, I ask you to open up my eyes. Lord, I'm going to read this scripture. I'm going to teach this subject. And Lord, if I've taught it wrong in the past, I I would love to have you open up my eyes. Can you all agree that's dangerous? That's a dangerous prayer. And you have to let go of all your pride and you have to say, you know what? I don't know everything. What I do know, I will hold dear, but Lord, if I know something that's not correct, I want you to change it. And I always get a kick out of preachers. For 40 years, they've been teaching, every verse in the Bible they teach, and they only teach, most traveling preachers only teach a few things. And they've not, not changed one thing. And I'm like, in 40 years, you haven't saw a different light on that? It's like, whoa. Uh, I mean, we should all be growing and evolving, right? So so guys, listen to this. Listen to this. This is written about Christians. Acts 17, 11. Now the Berean Jews, these are born-again Jews in the city of Berea, were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. So the, the Christians in Berea were in God's eyes of more noble character than the Christians in Thessalonica. And here's why. For they received the message with great eagerness. They were excited every time they heard the scriptures. My, my one-year-old granddaughter, she just turned one. Uh, it's funny, if she sees like lights or something come on, she'll look at me and she'll go, Whoa. <laughs> And I think we need to be that way about the Bible. Like, whoa. But guys, that's not all. That's not all. And listen, they examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, this is really crazy. And I'm going to tell you why it's crazy. Paul wrote nearly three quarters of the New Testament. So he's not just anybody. He's not me. He wrote nearly three quarters of the New Testament, right? I mean, he's getting this hot off the press and, and he comes into their town, and he's moving in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. There's workings of miracles, gifts of healings, and, and, and yet they checked him out to make sure what he was saying was true. He's teaching scriptures that they grew up with out of the Old Testament, and they want to know, is this true? Is this right? And I want to encourage you to be that way with me. I really wanna encourage you to be that way. I want you to be that way with anyone you listen to and really get in it and examine it. So you might say, well, how do I do that? Well, I was praying about that. I said, Lord, I know how I do it, but you know how you have systems, but you don't really you don't label them, you don't make it so someone else can do it. And I'm like, Lord, I know what I do, but I, I said, help me take what I do and make it something everybody can do. And so I'm praying over this lesson And all of a sudden I saw it and I began to write words down and and I call them the four C's of Bible interpretation. And it's what I do, but I I just gave them all C names and it's just so easy to remember. So I wanna wanna show you what it is because I don't want you to walk out of here thinking, yeah, yeah, if we're not careful, the Bible that was meant to grow us can actually harm us. Okay, so how do I know? How do I figure it out? How do I read my Bible? Well, I'm, I'm gonna show you because we don't wanna make these origamis or live under these origamis that are messing our life up. So the first one is this, guys, common sense. It goes like this. Read the text skillfully. Who is it speaking to? And we could, have, I could have put a bunch more questions after that. But read it skillfully. Use your common sense. And we, got, we have to understand, when we come into church or we're listening to other preachers, don't throw your common sense out. If somebody says something that doesn't make sense, question it in your mind. Don't be critical. Don't have a critical spirit, but question it. So I was in Bible school, and I heard this crazy doctrine, and it it almost sounded good, and and it was connected to other scriptures, but it was called the hundredfold return, right? And the the essence of it was if you give $100, God will give you a hundredfold or a hundred times more. So if you give a hundred dollars in the offering, you'll have 10,000 come back to you, that's pretty cool. Or if you give 5000 in a year to your church, you're gonna have $500,000. And so common sense told me this ain't happening anywhere in the world, right? And so I'd listen to these guys and i think, hmm. But I didn't, because you know, the Bible does say, Jesus said, give and it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So the Bible does say that. Uh, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians chapter nine, if you give sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you give generously, you'll reap generously. So God does say, I'll bless you above what you give. So they had that going for him. But Jesus talked about a hundredfold only two times. One time he talked about it concerning the Bible and the parable of the sower. And he says, if you're good ground, that you're a good listener, and you open up and receive the word of God, it will produce 30, 60, and up to a hundredfold inside you. That means the fruit of God will come out of us. That's pretty, pretty cool. And then he talked about it one other time. And guess who he was talking to and about? who's talking to missionaries. And I want to show you, this is the scripture they used, guys. And it reads like this, Mark 10, 28. then Peter spoke and said, we left everything to follow you. He's like, Jesus, we gave it all up. What's going to happen to us? Notice he left. It's not about giving. So listen to what Jesus says, verse 28 uh, or verse 29. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left Notice uh, what I highlighted: left, not give. Uh, home or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or fields for me in the gospel missionary scripture. He's talking about people that had to leave everything they had to go somewhere else. So I want to show you: these preachers would read homes and they say, "If you give your home away, and be better to give it to me, right? Um, you'll get a hundred of them, and you know things like that." But guys, look, look, look! Home is where where you live. It's it's like if God's called many missionaries out of our church over the years, and they left the valley, and they left what they had, and they went somewhere else. Or how about this? You know how to interpret homes by all the other things Jesus chose, and that's a whole other way to just make sense of the Bible. Uh, they're all in the same category. Uh, brothers or sisters. Are we allowed to give our brothers and sisters away, guys? We may have wanted to when we were young, right? (laughs) I would have gave some of my uh, brothers away when I was young. Uh, Or or mothers or fathers, you know, are you going to give your mothers and fathers away? Or, Or children? Are you kidding me? Fills was their income, what they did to make a living. So a missionary walks away from all of that. They leave it. And it's tough. In Bible days, they didn't have modern transportation, so they would be gone for years, and they'd walk away from parents and kids and their mate. They would just walk away from people because Jesus called them to do something, and it's like Peter saying, "What about us, Jesus? We left everything." And then Jesus gives this answer: very next verse, verse thirty, "Will fail to receive a hundred times." In Old English, it's a hundredfold, hundred times as much in this present age. So notice what they'll receive for leaving. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. And so what's he saying? Guys, I watch it happen with my brother Tony. I was so sad when he left, uh, and he's been all over the world. Now he's in Australia. He walked away from his parents. He walked away uh, from, from, from his brothers and sisters. Thankfully, his kids in the modern day can be with him. Uh, he left everything. He's not allowed to buy property where he's at, and all those types of things. But, guys, guess what? People opened up their homes to him. He has brothers and sisters that aren't blood brothers and sisters, but they're like brothers and sisters. He had mom and dad figures when he was younger and he went away and he needed those mother and dad figures. And that's all God is saying to us. So, we want to make sure we read the Bible with common sense. Listen to how this ends, it's pretty cool along with persecution, and doesn't that happen with missionaries that, uh, yeah, you preach Christ? And then he says, and in the age to come, eternal life. And I had to keep verse 31 in. I wasn't sure if I should, but I said, I have to. It's so important. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So he's encouraging Peter, and I know what this means. In this context, I know exactly what it means because I have missionary friends all over the world, including a brother, but I have other friends everywhere and us pastors, uh, we live so much better than they do because we're in one place and we're allowed to buy a house and we typically have a better income because we have a church, right? And they're asking people to give to their ministries. And so Jesus is saying this, those of you like Peter that maybe you're last when it comes to how you live down here and your status, you're gonna be first up in heaven. God's God's gonna bless you more because you gave up more here, so he 's talking about rewards in heaven, and I like that, and i 'm okay with that because i don 't want to live in a jungle, right so i 'd rather have a little less in heaven, and so on and so forth, but God blesses us no matter what we do for him, right guys so that 's common sense here here 's guys. the next one is context. read the text and it 's context, and uh, sometimes context Brings disaster like Jim Jones. Uh, he pulled things out of context, and it brought disaster into people's lives. Sometimes it's not as harmful, and you know, but it's still it's it's taking power away from the Word of God. And then sometimes it's harmless. It's somewhat true, but there's more to it if we would read it in its context. And, and here's one of my favorites. That means read the verses above and below. Uh, one of my favorite verses: Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Him who gives me. Strength. I can do all things. And so we typically use this, guys, as referring to God giving us grace uh, in life. We typically lose it, use it like I'm a student, I have a really tough class, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to start a new business. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And and we should keep using it that way. But it's fascinating when you read the context. So let's just go one verse above and it reads like this verse 12, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So wow. Paul says, I can, do all, I can be content even when I don't have anything. I can be content when I'm walking through the biggest storm I've ever walked through, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Now, when you read the context, because he goes on to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me. You read the context, guys, And it opens us up to something really, really powerful. So then God's saying, uh, guys, if you tap into the grace of God, no matter what storm you walk through, let's give an example, COVID-19, right? I can make it through this. God can sustain me. God can give me grace to go through anything. And some of you are going through some other really tough times right now, but we can do all Things through Christ who strengthens us so we can walk through the biggest and the toughest storm that we've ever walked through. And guys, I've been waiting for three months to do this in Borman and Warren. Can we give it up and say, thank you, God, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? Ah, I haven't heard that in a long time. All right, Uh, I I couldn't say that online because I can't even hear what you're doing, right? So common sense, context, and, and guys, this one, I I teach on it every now and then. Covenants, it's the third C. Uh, Remember, if we're not careful, the Bible that was meant to grow us can actually harm us. And here's the question we need to ask. Is it for the Old Testament or the New Testament believers? That's really important. Did you know that over 80% of your Old Testament, the first half of your Bible, it's actually more than half, but over 80% of it is under the Old Covenant? That, that's really huge. In case you're not sure, God made a covenant with through Moses with the children of Israel. So that's the covenant the children of Israel had when they were, were brought out of Egypt and Exodus. God made this covenant with them. And a covenant is a contract. And God said, here's what you need to do. Here's what I'll do. And if you do this, this is what I do. But if you don't do this, this is what I'll do. So when you read the Old Testament, you have to understand, hey, This is a different covenant. That doesn't mean we don't read it, it's very precious. All kinds of incredible principles in the Old Testament. So we wanna read it and pull everything we can and all those incredible Bible stories, building our faith, showing us what God can do, but we do need to ask the question, is it the old or the new? And here's why, listen to this, Deuteronomy 28, 58. If you do not carefully follow all the words of this law, that's the old covenant, Uh, which are written in this book, and do not revere this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. So now he's giving them some instructions. Remember, if you accepted Jesus, you're in a new covenant. The Bible says it's a better covenant built on better promises. We're not under that covenant. Listen to verse 59. If you don't do everything, the Lord will send fearful plagues So it never fails when a COVID-19 hits or a hurricane hits Florida. There's some preacher that's going to get up and preach out of the Old Testament, out of the Old Covenant, and say, God's punishing America. And guys... um there will be a day when God judges. It's, it's the seven-year tribulation period. He's going to judge the world. And you as a Christian have to know when bad things come into your life, that is not God punishing you. And you have, you have to read these scriptures knowing they're from a whole nother covenant. And sometimes I listen to preachers and I just think, man, I wish they understood covenants because it's they they just don't understand. Now, listen to this, guys. Uh, On you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters and severe and lingering illnesses. Yuck. I'm glad I'm not in that covenant cuz I would have been a mess. I would have been I would have died from sickness. That's a, that's how bad I would have been, right? Cuz I I don't do good with following rules. I'm not the best rule follower in the world, right? So so now that's the curse that comes on them if they don't do everything right. But listen to this. Galatians 3:10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So these guys are wanting to get back under the law of Moses, and, and, and Paul's writing Galatians saying, guys, you don't, because there's a curse on that baby. And, and notice what he says. Uh, the next two verses are important, 11 and 12, but for time's sake, I'm just reading verse 13. Read them this week. Verse 13. Christ Redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a tree. So redeem means to be purchased up out of. So when you accepted Jesus, he took the curse for us. We're redeemed from it. So I want to read that Old Testament and say, that's another covenant. I want to pull everything I can out of it. It's precious. But man, you and I are redeemed from those curses. And we. when, when bad things hit our life, we wanna know this isn't God punishing me. That's really important for you to know. It's not God punishing you. So guys, we, we have common sense, context, covenants. Remember, if we're not careful, the Bible that was meant to grow us can actually harm us. And here's number four. This one's a doozy. Culture, culture. What did it mean to the people that first heard it? And you might think, well, how can I know the difference in our culture and theirs? Well, you can Google any verse you're confused with, and you'll have all kind of things come up or say the culture of Bible days. Guys, even today, our Western culture, which would be the United States, Canada, Europe, is so different than the Eastern culture, and we all, we all see parts of that. And so uh, if Jesus came in the East, he would say things different. But now go back all the way to Bible days, In in Bible days, Israel was under Roman occupation. That's important to know. Uh, They they were not free. They, They were controlled by the Roman government. And Rome brought in their soldiers, their politicians, their bureaucrats, and Roman citizens would come in and Israel was subservient to them. That's important to understand. They were subservient. And so uh, we have to know that culture, and we have to understand sometimes Jesus was speaking to the culture. We can pull principles out of it, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But let me show you uh, such such a verse, guys. Matthew uh, 5, 38 and 39. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Verse 39. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. When I first heard that, it blew my mind. And so I began to think about a common sense, right? I thought, it sounds like Jesus is saying, if someone punches you, don't put your hands up to protect yourself. Let them punch you again. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. I didn't know what the culture was, but common sense made me say, nah, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to fight back if I can, right? I mean, I'm not going to just let someone beat me down and you know, so I thought that can't be what he's saying. And then as I grew in God, I found these books on cultural, you know, understanding culture of Bible days and some of the things Jesus said. And here's here's what I learned about this. In Bible days, a slap on the cheek was an insult from a superior. So I want you to just imagine these Roman soldiers, these bureaucrats, these Roman citizens. When they're in Israel, they're the dominant people, and Israel is under their subjection. And so in in, in Bible days, the right hand was the hand of authority and power. That's where whoever sat on the right hand of the king had all the power. And so these guys would come up to Jews on the street and they would just, it wasn't hard, but they backhand them like that. And if they're facing them, that would be the right cheek. So it would just be bam. And, and it was their way of saying, I'm better than you. I'm superior to you. You're a nobody. You're a nothing. And so Jesus is helping them out. He goes, guys, let me show you how not to go to jail. All right, Let's, let me just show you how not to be thrown into jail or beat up, right? So when, when somebody does that to you, don't fight back. Let them slap the other cheek. Don't respond to it. So he's not talking about a fight. You now Jesus told his disciples, guys, I'm going to leave. And when I do, buy a couple swords because you're going to be going from city A to city B and there's going to be robbers and you need, you need security. So he said, have some security there, right? Um, he's not saying don't defend yourself. But now he's talking about when someone's trying to humiliate you, he says, just take it. Now, that's their culture. Let me ask you a question. What would we do today if a boss at work were treating you wrong? You should go to your superior, his superior, her superior. Um, uh, You should go to your union rep. Jesus isn't saying don't do this. He's just saying to them, hey, guys, in your culture, I wouldn't do that. And I think he's also saying to us, don't respond the wrong way. Don't fight if you don't have to. If they're not gonna hurt you, just back off and love people. And when you see it from that perspective, all of a sudden I understood it. Now when I'm in situations, I realize I'm not going to react here. I'm just going to take this. Reacting is not going to do anything good. And I'm just going to put it into the hands of God. Guys, those are the three C's. When you read your Bible, you're more than capable of reading it with those four C's. And I want to just take a moment right now and we want to pray. So let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Father, I did my best that teach this part of the Bible. I thank you for everyone that's here. Lord, we thank you that we're able to interpret scriptures and read the Bible. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to be Bible school scholars. Lord, we ask you to burn the four C's into our hearts, that our lives will be changed forever as we read scriptures. Lord, we don't want to be critical. We do not want to be proud. We do not want to be angry people. So, Lord, we pray a very dangerous prayer right now, and it's dangerous because it will change us. And, Lord, here's our heart's prayer. And, guys, I want you to connect with me as I pray it. Lord, we want you to open up our spiritual understanding. If there's something in the Bible we're interpreting wrong, we're making an origami that's not correct, we ask you to open up our eyes to it, Lord, and show us. Lord, at the same time, we ask you to help us love people that have a different system of beliefs from the same Bible. Help us love people. Help us not judge people. Help us not be angry. And Lord, help us to always pray that you'd open our eyes. And Lord, help us to always pray that you would move in every circumstance and every situation that we're concerned with. So guys, just whisper that prayer. Say, God, that's what I want. Facebook Live, Boardman, YouTube. Just say, God, I want you to open up my eyes and change me forever. Help me understand the scriptures. Help me work these four C's every time I read the Bible. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Guys, can I ask you, I know so many of you do, but please continue to pray for your pastor too, man. Ask God to open up my eyes and uh, just, I pray that way. I pray this dangerous prayer all the time, but man, more and more of you should pray this prayer. If I have blind spots, ask God to show me. If I have an origami that I believe my whole life because that's what someone taught me 30 years ago, guys, pray and just say, God, open our pastor's heart and eyes and let him see the truth. And Lord, open all of our eyes. And Lord, I thank you for doing that for each and every one of us. Guys, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Online, can I ask you to stick stick on because i want to give uh, an invitation right now. Those of you that know Christ, would you just stick with us and pray for those that don't, even watching online right now. And here's what I'm asking. I'm asking you, have you come into the new covenant yet? Jesus said, I'm the way to heaven. He said, whoever believes in me will not perish, but they will receive ever lasting life. That's pretty cool. He said, whoever calls on my name will be saved. And the majority of us have done that. The vast majority in this room and boardmen, uh, vast majority listening online. But maybe someone invited you online. Maybe you're here for the first time this weekend and you thought, I've been locked up so long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find me a church and go to church. Or I've been watching believers online and I'm going to come visit today. Listen, listen. I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult, all great things. Can you remember a day when you said, Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven. I accept you as Savior, and I make you Lord of my life. I make a decision to follow you and humble myself before you. If you're listening, you say, I can't remember that day, but I'm ready right now. Would you pray with us? Everyone in the room, can we help them? We can finally help people pray. Let's go ahead and do that, guys. Say, Say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize... I was born sin-stained. I repent of my sins. And this day, I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the only way to heaven. I accept you as my Savior. And I make you Lord of my life. Amen.